<laughs> you just left to go get something and i'm excited to know what it is yes well it's something that is um i think i've done this a few times but like it, it's something that was a huge part of my childhood and i i feel like it was a huge part of our generation like specifically um and it's furbies no, no, but it is like a big technological thing. Like it, it's it's seen a lot of like pickup growth and, and it's even like it's still a thing. Um, it, it's something that has been a large part of culture and like especially like millennial and Gen X and, uh, and well, no, sorry, and Gen Z. Um, and it, but it's ranged all the way from like early 70s and is like still sort of a thing today mm. so a and... sega genesis no nintendo it is in my pocket right now it fits in uh, my pocket right now a game uh, boy yeah really i i can't believe i got that oh <laughs> yeah i the nostalgia of that sound so anyways this is the arcana archives and on this <laughs> week we're talking about nerd stuff <laughs> like Again. always yeah oh but the game boy we're talking about the game boy i actually had a game boy i had sabrina the teenage witch games on it mm. <laughs> I have, like, gone through, so I, I feel like I've gotten more games on the Game Boy as it's gotten further away from, like, its discontinuement <laughs> than I have actually, like, uh, like while it was still in production. Because I think it ended in, like, 2005. They stopped making them. Because the DS came out in, like, 2004, um, and there was a tiny bit of overlap between that, um... And then, yeah, they started getting into more of the, the two-screen stuff. But, mm -hmm. so, uh, we're going to start at the very beginning here of where handheld console games came from. Yes. So, in the early to mid-70s, there was a huge surge of, like, handheld, no-screen electronic games that became popular to take on the go, um, especially around the times when, like, consoles were just sort of uh, rising up and you can't really take a console and a whole TV and all the connection cables and stuff with you on the go. So this began really the handheld concept with toy companies such as Mattel and Milton Bradley and they really began to take off with the Merlin console by the Parker Brothers in 1978. And this was like no screen, it was just sort of light up buttons and I think it told like a story or, or something and you had to work through on sort of a keypad so but these were devices with just like built-in coding for one game um but just a year later in 1979 
Milton Bradley released the Microvision, which became the first console with interchangeable cartridge games, like on the TV consoles, like the Sega Genesis and and like nin uh, the early Nintendo games, the original Nintendo system. So it was also the first to introduce the directional pad, which at that time was a lot like you'd find on like a modern console controller, like a PlayStation DualShock, um, except it only allowed you to move a character in four directions due to like the, the pixel programming. Uh, so Gunpei Yukoi of Nintendo in the same year was inspired by a man playing with a newly developed credit card sized calculator to create an electronic game series that also functioned as a watch that became the Game & Watch series. So they had no little games programmed on there, but it also had um, like a function to tell time, like a little digital time teller in, in one of the corners. So uh, he also invented the Nintendo D-pad which is that cross-shaped directional pad that is used on, like, most controllers nowadays yeah. um, and handheld devices, like, to this day. Um, and that was back in 89. So, oh, my God. I just realized that it's called a D-pad because that means directional well, pad, probably. Yes, directional pad. So, um... I also discovered that this series of consoles, the Game & Watch series, had a multi-screen version in 1981 that looks oddly like the Nintendo DS system, which came out a whole 23 years later in 2004. Ooh, I better post pictures of that in our episode <laughs> yes. description. Like that's episode description insane. Instagram. Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Like it, like oddly, like it... If you look up a picture right now, it's like, that's a DS. <laughs> what year Except is it? For, uh, 1981. So the only thing with this is normally the multi-screen is that uh, they have a game programmed on one and a different game programmed on the other. It's not like you can exchange cartridges and, and play different games on a two-screen. but like That it, looks like a DS. It looks like a DS. Um, so... Another interesting fact that I found really cool is Mr. Game & Watch, the character for Game & Watch, also predates Pac-Man by one month, making him <gasps> the oldest character in the Smash Bros. series. On, wow, I guess I play old characters because on Smash Bros. for Wii, I play Game & Watch as my main, and on Smash Bros. for the Switch, I have started to main as Pac-Man for some reason. <laughs> Well, you know me, I'm, like, all about the meme characters, <laughs> so yeah. Game & Watch is a big one, and then, like, Luigi and, uh, and Pikmin, and, and, and stuff like, like, Olimar, I, I love playing, and yeah, just, I am not good, I'm just funny. <laughs> if you can't be good at a game, be funny at it. That's, yeah. uh, I'll take that to my grave. <laughs> yes. So... The Game Boy, then, going on to the main topic of, of today's discussion, was released in 1989, an entire decade after the Microvision introduced swappable handheld cartridges. So this is when handheld gaming devices really started to take off, and Nintendo is credited with popularizing these consoles. So 
They started off by prioritizing battery life by building it with a non-backlit screen in like a monochromatic black and white, um, which also made it relatively cheap to produce and sell. So that it was a large selling point for the console. But uh, on top of that, the next thing, uh, what does every new console need to be successful? So, and that is a huge release title to help sell it to the market. Oh. Want to guess yeah. what Yokoi chose as the first game to release with it? For Game Boy? Uh, Game, Game & Watch? Nope, because Game & Watch was its own thing. It was its own handheld thing. Mario something? No. Okay, I give up. So, Minoru Arakawa who was the CEO of Nintendo America, saw Tetris at a trade show, and Nintendo bought the rights to release as the launch game for the Game Boy. Uh, so it yeah. was re released at the end of April in 1989, and by the end of the year had sold over a million copies in the U.S. alone. I love how that strategy still works for them because of yes. Tetris 99 on the Switch. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Man, I love that. Yeah, oh man, I, I love my Switch. I go into that a little bit in, in the very end. But the next one was the Game Boy Color, which then came out almost a decade later again with capabilities of wireless linking between consoles via infrared. Um, so this is in, like, 98. They had wireless oh, uh... connection between... That's how you would trade Pokemon with each other. Yes, you couldn't do that on Game Boy Advance, so you could only do that, I believe, on, like, red and blue and yellow, and, and like, maybe the, like, gold and silver series. Um, mm -hmm. um, because then afterwards you had to trade them. Even though all the consoles are backwards compatible, They, you, you didn't have that capability except for on the color. So, right. but the Game Boy Color was also the first handheld console to be backwards compatible with previous games. So making it so that there was already like a huge library of titles to choose from, like 10 years worth. And that and enticed a bunch of marketing. new, yeah, a new, a bunch of new buyers to, uh, to uh, buy into this console. And so they kept with that. Hey, like you can play Game Boy games on the DS or DSi. Absolutely, yeah. So you can't play any of the like original Game Boy games uh, on on DS. Like it, it isn't compatible with with full with that. But any of the originals were playable up to two thousand five when they stopped producing the the advanced series. And you could still Ow. play advanced series games on DS for like a long time. So this console, the Game Boy Color, could also display a total of. 56 colors at a time. <laughs> so I think there was there was like a catalog of 13,000, but it could only display 56 at a time. But this is also the year that the original Pokemon Red and Blue came out with a stunning pea soup background color. Were Red and Blue two of the 56 colors that it could display? Um, I, I like... Not in these Pokemon games. It was just piece of green. <laughs> <laughs> so that 
brings me to the Game Boy Advance series. So, and this is the one that, like, we grew up with in our generation. Like, it, it was released in 2001, beginning with the non-folding version, and it added the two buttons on the, the top shoulder of the system. It, so those added, like, a, a bunch more capabilities of controllers um, and effects as well as they had a larger display on the screen. Um, so, but yeah, like those buttons were around for a while from like the, the PlayStation and whatever, and like a bunch of controllers like for consoles had them, just not the handheld Nintendo systems really until that, that point. So the model I was introduced to, and it holds a very special place in my childhood, is the SP version. So the Game Boy Advanced SP. So, and that kept the exact same screen size as the console that was like barely fit in your pocket unless you had like cargo shorts. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was in this more compact folding form. So it just. I had one like, that would not fold. It is smaller than. Um, than, like, my current phone by a, almost, like, probably more than half. Whoa! <laughs> it, it's thicker, but not by a whole lot. And uh, I believe the reason for that was uh, because it was a front-lit screen as opposed to the just standard Game Boy Advance, which was backlit, and so mm. that made it so that it had to be less thick. Uh, and it's more like a modern-day laptop screen, sort of, that, that uh, it, it, like, projects light from the bottom, I believe, rather cool. than from the back on an LED screen. Um, uh, or you can get one of those yeah. Game Boy clip lights and clip it onto your Game Boy. No! You know what? You have to play only when you drive under the streetlights, and then oh, you can't yes. play <laughs> any other time. What are these consoles with backlights and front lights? <laughs> yeah, well, these, like, it, as opposed to the, um, like, original Game Boy and Game Boy Color, uh, well, no, I think just the original Game Boy, like, wasn't backlit at all. So it was just, yeah. like, yeah, like, good luck playing that in any form of light other than, like, I blinding. Had a, <laughs> I had a Game Boy color but i don't think it was backlit because i strictly remember driving under streetlights and being like okay i can play i can play i can play, I can play. ah streetlights gone and you wait for the next one <laughs> yeah i think with the color option they had to have some sort of lighting maybe um, mine was they, just like broken or something because like that's what color is is it's lighting maybe mine was really dim maybe i think there's a brightness feature on these maybe maybe that didn't happen until the ds yeah, I'm out of my mind. Don't pay attention to me. <laughs> I definitely um, don't know. I could also easily be confusing this memory with, in like the early 2000s, McDonald's would give away like handheld games that yes. only played one games, and I had one that was a monkey, and that definitely wasn't backlit, but you had to like catch bananas or something. Mm -hmm. So I could be confusing my Game Boy with that handheld experience because I was very little. The Game Boy and Game Boy Color were the ones that were, like, vertical, so they looked like, uh... They yeah, were, I just... Yeah. And then the Game Boy Advanced looked kind of like a PSP. Like, it was, like, horizontal face, and it had buttons on either side of the screen rather than below it. I definitely had a Game Boy Color, but I... Yeah. My memories from that age are all 
just merging together into memory soup. So yeah. So I started with the the Game Boy SP. I don't think I had much in terms of games before that. Uh, but I also don't know like when they produced the color until uh, because if they didn't do the advanced put out the advance until like 98 then they probably still had colors in production for uh like a couple years after that i'm assuming i definitely um, don't know <laughs> uh i was also pretty young when i first played on it so a lot of the games i played at first were centered more around like children's tv shows and such like i remember rescue rangers was a big game that i that i played yes. a whole lot um and uh, but yeah, as I grew older, I played a lot more of like Mario games on it. And I believe like there was a couple Spider-Mans that, that I got into that were on the, the Game Boy Advance cartridges. Uh, but then nice. just before high school, I discovered the Pokemon series and I started on the DS, like the newest DS version, which was Pearl and Diamond, a uh, generation four, I believe. Um, and, but then I started working my way through the back catalog and uh and like going and finding a lot of like the old games and also like a bunch of like knockoffs that were like coded different and and had like different maps and stuff in them and people added pokemon and whatever um and like sort of different storylines sort of pasted over top of where the other games were uh like Whoa. just what was already built in and stuff uh so that is where like I got the majority of Game Boy games like long after it was, uh, it like it had been discontinued from production, because I just went on like eBay and in any sort of store and picked up whatever whatever Pokemon game I could find, official or not. Um, oh my god. Uh, but yeah, it, it the SP also still held backwards compatibility. <laughs> all the way back to the original Game Boy games in 1989, which is, like, almost a 30-year span by the time I was doing this. So, and that allowed me to find and play the original Pokemon games uh, and Donkey Kong Country. And I have still used it to go back and try and play through some of the early Zelda games before I got my Switch, and now with Switch Online, you... You can just find a lot of those, like, old console games. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have my original early 2000s one, um, which, yeah, is this one, and quite worn out, as you can see, <laughs> after, like... Or can't see if you're listening to this, but yeah, well, I can post yeah. pictures of it. Yes, but it's got, like... It's now matte all the way around the edges, and it has a still a little bit of shiny finish in the mi very middle. Um, and yeah, it's got a lot of wear. It's got almost 20 years of play on it <laughs> from it's you. And severely loved. Yes. Like, I still whip it out to this day if I'm looking to just, like, pocket something and go. I, I even picked up another one in, like, around high school in, like, 2013-14, um, uh, which I used for trading Pokemon between games with the, the link cable. So, yeah, there was... Because then once they didn't have the, the infrared on the color, then they went to, like, the cable fastener. And those are interesting, too. I didn't do any research and, like, put this in my notes and stuff, but, like, there were, like, 
four compatibility link cables that like all came to like a four-way stop in the middle and you could like play four player person cooperative games on just your little handheld device and i find that so cool i i never had one of those until like high school when i just did it to like trade pokemon between uh like two consoles two games but uh it would be so cool to to do that i needed to like dig up all my old game boys and <laughs> have and and like a couple games and like have a uh like a vintage console party <laughs> or something yes just like send uh one of the the original pokemon games to one of my buddies or something and have them build a team and then battle them out with each other that would be so cool that would be cool i sold my dsi when i was like 13, 14 maybe. I regret it. I wish I still had it. I think I still have my original DS. No, not the original. The DS Lite and the the DSi. I have um, my DS Lite still, but I sold my DSi and I spent so much time on that thing. Yeah, but I mean, you can like do all of your DS games on like your their your newer, like they're they're all like backwards compatible no i sold the, the newer version. one so i have the i have the older one because i wanted to keep it for i have guitar hero for the ds <laughs> oh yes <laughs> and you can't play guitar hero on the dsi because it has the dsi doesn't have a game boy slot but the ds does and you need the game boy mm. slot to play guitar hero oh anyway God. that was a tangent uh, i believe they're starting to put a lot of the uh like early handheld games like exclusive handheld games on switch as well so we might be able to to do a bunch of stuff through there oh that's exciting um the one i'm really looking forward to is the new pokemon remake because gen 4 is what got me into pokemon and now they're doing a remastered version and i'm not sure what i feel about the the graphics at this point but i'm looking forward to like playability function and replaying that story on like uh on a modern day console i'm gonna say something extremely controversial i wasn't into pokemon until pokemon go Hmm. yes if you want to borrow any of the games i have like every single generation oh boy (laughs) (laughs) i might have to take you up on that just let me know how deep you want to go and how much story you want I want and, the one that's the most fun. Well, I I'm a bad person to, to talk about that because I find all of them. I want enjoyable. the one that's the easiest to play. They they haven't changed since the original. Besides having like 3D movement now. This has been so helpful. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so all of it is narrative wise. Like how much narrative do you want? And um, I can recommend that to you after. After we get off the episode here. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I have my favorites in terms of narrative, both, like, for nostalgia reasons and for, like, it's just an insane, as insanely well done story. Um, you know, maybe maybe our listeners want to know, too, which, what's, your, what's your favorite? So, my favorite is still Generation 4, which is, like, Pearl and, and Diamond, and then Platinum. Platinum is probably my favorite game out of the entire series. Uh, just because, like, it starts dealing with, like, uh, 
temporal uh like boundaries and stuff and like the the pokemon deal with like time they can alter time and space um and it makes for comes from uh mewtwo was from the very original but um like also generation four added like the most like secret uh sort of like hidden easter egg sort of thing so there's like uh, a whole, this is probably the most released legendary Pokemon in the game series is in there, um, as well as, like, just a ginormous map and then, like, expandable worlds. Like, it's not DLC, it's, like, they're, after you beat the original game, then there's just a whole other, like, 15 hours of story that's unlocked for you and, like, various battling arenas and, and stuff. Whoa, cool. Yeah. So it's cool. And then after that, it's probably black and white just because there's like 40 hours of, of narrative there. And then like after game, you can still go on and find stuff. And it was just an insane story too. But anyway, Pokemon sounds like a huge time commitment. It, well, I mean like standard game for these days, like you spend at least like 40 to 60 hours getting through gameplay. So like, for a release that happened in like early 2010s, maybe 2009, like having 40 hours of like gameplay through some of these, as well as like if you can spend hundreds of hours like trying to catch them all and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> but yeah, I have like multiple consoles and stuff so if you don't have the specific console that runs them i can lend it to you as well if you want to all right yeah so but anyways cable tether (laughs) we got a big tangent there so yes this version of the game boy was also able to act as a cable tethered controller for nintendo consoles which seems an awful lot like the wii u because you have the screen and can use it as a controller like in your lap um, and, and it's just tethered by cable instead of by wireless and doesn't have as big a screen. But that's also about two decades before the Wii U came out. So. Life imitates <laughs> art? Yeah. It's just never-ending cycle of improvement, but maintaining the same aspects. It's just insane to me how much Nintendo as, like, they innovated early and then they've stuck to those concepts and it still holds up to these days. I guess that makes sense because if you take a concept and improve on it continuously over 10 years or 20 years or however long, then you're going to come out with a much better product than if you try to come up with something new novel every mm-hmm. 10 or 20 years. Yeah. I mean, they still do that. Like, the Wii was insane for <laughs> for True. for that time. Like, the, the, uh, like, Sony tried to emulate it with, uh, like, their motion controllers, um, and I believe Microsoft did as well. Um, and then, like, now with the Switch, which is, like, you have a TV in your hand, essentially, like, a, of, like, a full-power console, almost, that can play a lot of, like, standard console and PC games that you Not can take with Switch. you on the go. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So Crazy. Uh, anyways, I've never tried the Tether, but I have heard of some compatibility between games, between GameCube and Game Boy, and I would Ooh. love to go back and try it. I think, I think Game I Boy, have a GameCube. 
a GameCube and uh, the original Nintendo is the only Nintendo systems I don't have. I, have. I believe. I have a GameCube and an NES. Yes. Together oh. we have oh. the... Oh. <laughs> Completed. <laughs> Complete the collection. <laughs> what is it? We, we've done our fusion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> our Dragon Ball Z fusion. <laughs> I was about to say that. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, I'm also a collector of old consoles and games, and I would love to find like an expert or something in the future to talk about that with a little more depth on one of these episodes one day. If you're an expert in I old consoles really or cool. old games, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I love it. I just love the novelty of, of having that and like the history behind it and the innovation and yeah, just... Being able to have something physical in my hands that, like, sparked, uh, like, this whole generation of video games and see where everything came from. It's really interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But anyways, that is another one for the archives. Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to the Arcana Archives, an exploration into nerddom. If you have any questions or suggestions for future topics or guests, please reach out to us at arcanacollective.archives at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram with the username at arcanaarchives. Hope to see you again!